Okay, so we are going to be starting chapter 3 of Ephesians tonight, and uh, we will uh, be looking at um, the first few verses. Chapter 3 is kind of about the mystery of equality, is kind of the theme of chapter 3. Now, if you remember, as we finished up chapter 2, basically all of chapter 2, Paul uh, was speaking uh, that the Jews and the Gentiles uh, were one, that the law had been done away with. Uh, he used the word abolished uh, in the flesh, in the enmity or the <clears throat> hatred, uh, the law of the commandments containing ordinances, that all that has been abolished and that Jews and Gentiles had come together as one, uh, and that Jesus Christ was the cornerstone, and that he's building uh, upon the church and fitly framed together. Now, the reason why it's important that we remember that is then in chapter 3, verse number 1, Paul says, immediately for this cause, I, Paul. And what's the cause? The cause is the preaching of the unity and the equality of the Jews and the Gentiles and everything that we uh, spoke about the last time uh, in chapter number two, uh, how that they've all come together as one, how that Christ uh, took away that middle wall of partition. And the Jews uh, who were near, uh, nigh, and then the Gentiles who were, who were far off have been brought together. He said, for this cause, for the building of the body of Christ, for the building of the church of Almighty God, he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Now, a lot of times when people read that, they will think and say, that Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and he was saying that because he was a servant uh, of Christ, so he was the prisoner. Uh, but that's not really what Paul was referencing or, or referring to uh, when he says that. you got to remember that Ephesians was one of the prison epistles. So Paul was actually writing this epistle in prison. So when he says, I, for this cause, the building of the church of God, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. So he's saying, I'm a prisoner. That's, that's what he was physically, literally, he was a prisoner. Uh, and why was he a prisoner? Well, he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was a prisoner uh, because he was preaching the gospel of grace and salvation and the abolishment of the law. Basically, everything that he said uh, in chapter 1 and especially in chapter 2 is what caused him uh, to be in prison. Now, I talked about uh, the last couple of times about how that uh, the Gentiles being accepted uh, by God was a big transition uh, for the Jews. And I want to take this opportunity when Paul brings out the fact that he's in prison, that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Uh, I want to look at why Paul was in prison. So why did he say he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ? And because of the Gentiles. So let's, if you would, turn with me. Let's look over to Acts 
Uh, I want to read a few verses of scripture, and I want you to follow along with me if you have your Bibles. But Acts chapter number 21, and um, verse number 18. And the day following, Paul went with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought. Now, what he's talking about here, if we were to back up uh, and read verse 15, 16, and 17, uh, Paul went there to Jerusalem and basically there was with the, the other apostles or the disciples. And, uh, and when he saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. Now, when these people heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. So now they are cautioning Paul. <laughs> he said, Look around. There's thousands of Jews here that are zealous of the law. And if you go around talking about this, uh, about Gentiles being brought in to the family of God and the law has been abolished. These people are zealous. They're, they're um, fanatics about it. And verse number 21, he says, and they are informed of thee. In other words, they're, they've been told about you that thou teachest all the Jews which are among uh, the Gentiles to forsake Moses saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is it therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. So he's saying, you're going around telling people they don't have to adhere to the law anymore. And he said, there's thousands of fanatical Jews here, and they're going to hear about this, and they're going to show up. So they were warning Paul. Now, let's jump down to verse number 27. We're just going to hit the highlights here. When seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple, and hath polluted this holy place. He's saying, this is the guy that's bringing Jews into the temple, bringing Greeks. This is him. And they laid hands on him. Now, when, they, when it says they laid hands on him, they didn't come up and put their hand on his shoulder. Okay? They, they, were, they were physically abusive. Now, jump down in verse number 30. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple forthwith, and the doors were shut. They, they drug him out of the temple and closed the doors. Verse 31, and as they went about to kill him, their intention was to kill Paul right there in the street. They drug him out of the temple, and they were going to kill him. When they went about to kill him, tidings came to the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Now this chief captain, it says, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, 
what does it say? They left beating of Paul. So they were beating him and was going to kill him till the soldiers showed up. And then they stopped. So this chief captain at this moment saved Paul's life. Now, if we go on down and look in verse number 39. So here, Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarshish, a city in uh, Cecilia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. So he's telling the chief captain, let me talk to the people. Let me, let me speak to the Jews that were just trying to kill me. Okay, so... And then if we go down in chapter 22, what he does now is he is speaking in the Hebrew tongue. It says that when they started speaking in the Hebrew tongue, they all listened because he got their attention. And he starts telling them about his conversion. He, he, he gives the story about that he had papers uh, to kill Christians and he was on the road to Damascus and, and that a great light shone and there was a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, he, and he's telling the entire story uh, to them. Now, let's go up down to verse number 21. And at the end of the story, okay, he said that uh, Jesus said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. So he's telling all these Jews that were just trying to kill him that God himself, Jesus Christ, told him, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Now they had been listening to Paul's whole entire story and verse number 22, and they gave him audience until this word. When he mentioned the Gentiles, they stopped listening. What did they do? Did they, did they get mad and leave? Did they stomp away? No, it says, And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, these people went crazy. And they were ready to kill Paul again. Why? Because he said, God told me to go to the Gentiles. So when we were talking about that, and we were saying this was a big transition for the Jews, it wasn't just something that they had to uh, try to overcome. This was serious. They, they were going to kill Paul. And they uh, were not, quote, taking any prisoners. And now if we get down in chapter uh, 23, verse number 10, and uh, they actually did start attacking Paul. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, this same chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces. So they were, they were he thought that they were actually going to tear Paul limb from limb, literally. They were going to rip his arms off, off his body. He said, uh, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. So this is twice now that the chief captain saved Paul's life because the Jews were going to kill him. And all that happened in Acts. So when we're talking about here in Ephesians chapter number 3, when he says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ uh, for you Gentiles, this is why he was in prison. 
He was in prison because they were trying to kill him. And they actually saved his life by putting him in prison. And this is where he was. So that's what he means there in verse number 1 uh, when he says that he was a prisoner uh, for the Gentiles. Those uh, verses that we read in Acts uh, describe at a very high level uh, the uproar and the hatred uh, that the Jews had for the Apostle Paul. Now, in verse number 2, he says, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to, to you word or toward you. So that word there where it says, if you've heard, uh, that's not of if in case you haven't heard. He's saying since, it's more like since you've heard is, is what he means by that there. And this word dispensation, that comes from a Greek word, which means administration or stewardship. So he's saying, if you've heard of the, communi- the, the administration uh, or the stewardship um, of the grace of God, which is given to me to give to you, uh, he's saying that he's the administrator and of the gospel message. We go back to chapter 2, verse number 8. And this is what he's the administrator of, or the, this is what his preaching ministry is all about. Uh, chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So that's what he's saying. That's the dispensation or his stewardship, his ministry uh, of grace. Um, the task of preaching the gospel of grace to the Jews and to the Gentiles was given to Paul by Jesus Christ himself at the, on the road to Damascus. Um, Acts 9.15, uh, when uh, the Lord was speaking to Ananias, when he told him to go to the apostle Paul who was blind, and uh, after he had uh, met Christ on the road to Damascus, he said, uh, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, and kings, and the children of Israel. So basically, all the world. So he said, no, you go, Ananias, because he's there, and he he's, doesn't know he's waiting on you, but I have him waiting on you, because I have called the Apostle Paul uh, to uh, speak my name to not only the Gentiles, but to kings and to all of Israel. Because here's the thing. A Jew has to be saved the same way that anybody else has to be saved. The Jews were God's chosen people, but that did not exempt them from having to come through Christ unto salvation. Um, I had a a friend of mine ask me the other day uh, what I thought about the Apostle Paul. And I told him, I said, well, the Apostle Paul is in my opinion, the greatest man that ever lived and ever walked on this earth other than Jesus Christ himself. And he said, even, even greater than Peter? And I said, well, yeah. I said, Paul wrote half of the New Testament. Peter didn't write half of the New Testament. So uh, it's hard to say one man's greater than another, and I don't want to get into that. But the ministry that God gave Paul 
was different than the ministry that he gave any of the other apostles. And Peter, James and John and Matthew, all of those, they had great works, they did great things, and they gave us great doctrine in Scripture. Uh, but the Apostle Paul was literally God's chosen man for the time. So then we get into verse 3. Uh, and he's saying in verse 2 that this dispensation of grace of God was given to me to give to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So we see that uh, earlier uh, in Ephesians, how that he's talking about... Um, how that he wrote before about the revelation uh, of this mystery. He, he touches on it real quick, I think in chapter 1, uh, verses 9 and 10. Uh, he says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So that's, you know, he touched on it earlier uh, in chapter uh, number one. But it's important that we understand this word mystery. Um, and I have a quote here from Warren Wearsby, and I thought it was really good, <clears throat> so I thought I would share it with you. He said, A mystery is not something eerie or inscrutable, but rather a truth that was hidden by God in times past and is now revealed to those who are in his family. A mystery is a sacred secret that is unknown to unbelievers, but understood and treasured by the people of God. And I thought that that was uh, a really great quote, and that's why I wanted to share it uh, of Warren Wiersbe. So when we think about those mysteries, there's a lot of mysteries and a mystery is not something that cannot be answered. It's just something that we don't know the answer to. Uh, there used to be a television show on TV that I watched all the time. It hasn't been on for years, but it was called Unsolved Mysteries. And you all may have remembered that. So it, it told about things that happened or events and, and nobody understands why or what. Well, there's an answer to it. It's not a mystery that... It's, it's a mystery because we don't know the answer. We don't know why it happened or who did it or whatever. You know, somebody robbed a bank and they've never been caught. That's a mystery. Well, there is a bank robber. There's a person that robbed the bank. They have the money. We just don't know where they are. So we don't have the answer. That's why it's a mystery. It's not something that cannot be answered. So um, what are some of those mysteries today? Well, 1 Corinthians 1.18 gives us one of those mysteries. That's where Paul said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. See, when the world looks at us and, and they hear us teaching and preaching about the cross of, of Calvary, about the cross of Jesus Christ, they look at that and that's a mystery to them. They don't, they don't get it. They don't understand what, what, what you Christians are talking about. Why do you believe such crazy stuff? All these crazy stories in the Bible that it can't be real. This can't be true. The Red Sea parting, that's not real. Noah being on a boat and the whole earth flooding, that can't happen. That's not real. 
so they look at it that way, and they look at this thing about you, you ask you know, a dead person to forgive you of your sins, and then you get to go to this mysterious place called heaven. And all, See, they don't get it. That's a mystery to them. But it's not a mystery to us. To us, it's literally the power of God. It's, it's everything to us. So a mystery is just an unanswered question. Um, and then uh, I already read uh, verse 9 in, in chapter 1 uh, that talked about it. So this mystery, uh, as we see, is we're going to see that it had to be revealed, and it was revealed. In verse number 4, he says, Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So he's saying that when you, when you read what I have written to you, you're going to understand my knowledge. So this, he's saying this didn't come from my studies under uh, uh, Galilamel. It didn't come from my experience. It came uh, from God himself. So I want to go back to Galatians chapter number 1 and uh, look at verse number 11 and verse number 12. And so this is what he wrote back in Galatians. He said, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it was revealed unto him by Jesus Christ himself. He didn't learn this from a man. He didn't learn it studying the law. Paul knew more about the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he knew more about the law than anybody else in Israel. He was one of the most educated, well-learned men on the planet in his day. Um, but then in verse number 16 through 18 of Galatians chapter 1, he said, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen or among the Gentiles. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. So what Paul is saying back in Galatians is he's saying, when I was first converted, after I met Jesus on the road to Damascus and I had that conversion experience, he said, I didn't go to the apostles. I didn't go to learn about this grace. He said, I spent three years alone with Jesus himself. And the reason why I believe that God chose Paul in this time who better to be able to understand than somebody that is extremely knowledgeable of the law? So he was extremely knowledgeable. God didn't have to teach Paul the law and how that the law went away. God just had to, it, God revealed to him and Paul, his eyes were open. And Paul said, I believe this law. I live this law. I understood this law. I know this law. And now I see what that law was intended to do. It was intended to point toward the Messiah, to Jesus Christ, who has now come. And that's why Paul was all in. Because he fully understood everything. And his challenge was, 
to be able to present that not only to the Jews but also to the Gentiles and help them understand it and bring the groups together. And as we saw in Acts, um, he has to live long enough to be able to do that. All right, so then we get into verse number 5. He said, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Talking about this mystery again uh, of, uh, of Christ. He said, in all the other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So what Paul's saying, it wasn't just revealed to me, it was revealed to the other apostles as well. When you read the writings of Peter, they're right in line with Paul. When you read the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're right in line uh, with the things that Paul is saying. They don't contradict. Uh, so he's saying that all these things were revealed now. So why did God wait till now to reveal this mystery of by grace, through faith, uh, it's a gift of God, it's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The reason why is because it was at the appropriate time. Now was the time for the mystery to be revealed. Uh, think about, I tried to come up with an analogy and I, I came up with several and I wasn't really happy with any of them. Uh, but if you think about it, uh, I buy a present uh, for we, we buy a present for our kids. We don't tell them what it is until Christmas morning. It can't be revealed until the appropriate time. When's the appropriate time? When they come down and get the present out from under the tree, they open it up and it's revealed what they got. You see, revealing it to them two weeks before Christmas is not the appropriate time. Now, is that when the kids want it to be revealed? Absolutely. They don't want to wait till Christmas, but they have to wait until Christmas morning and that's when the time uh, is for it to be revealed. So God has a timeline. And it was it had to be after Christ died on the cross before he could reveal this mystery. He couldn't reveal it before. Uh, although it wasn't really new, if you go back and read the law, what does the law and what does the Old Testament tell us? It points to Christ. It points to the Messiah that's coming. It points, and, and it even describes him, that is, his visage was so marred that he didn't even look like a human and all these things. So it, it was hinted to uh, by the Old Testament prophets, but it wasn't right out revealed. Uh, and that's something that, that sometimes we do with our kids, right? We get them a Christmas present. We might hint to them what it might be, and they may think it's one thing, but our hints actually means it's something else. Uh, but this, is, this was the appropriate time. So this is when uh, the, the mystery or the question uh, would be revealed and could be answered. Uh, now, when he's talking about apostles in verse number 5, uh, he said, revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Uh, just want to touch on uh, what is an apostle, because some people uh, don't know. Uh, an apostle is, has basically three requirements uh, for a person to be considered an apostle. Uh, one is uh, to be personally called by Jesus. Uh, the other one is to be taught by Jesus directly uh, under his tutelage for several years. And the other one is that they saw Jesus alive after his resurrection. So there are no apostles today. 
Uh, all the disciples uh, were apostles, obviously, except for Judas. Uh, and then if you, uh, if you go back and read, it talks about uh, they had a vote or they cast lots to see who would replace Judas. Uh, and it was Matthias. Uh, and they had to make sure that he met these three criteria, that he was called by Jesus, he was a follower of Jesus, uh, he was under Christ's teaching for several years, and he saw the risen Christ. Uh, so that's where some people gave Paul a hard time, that he wasn't really an apostle, uh, but he did see the risen Christ uh, on the road to Damascus. He met him face to face and saw him. Uh, he did sit under Christ's teaching for three years uh, because he didn't go to the apostles. He said, I went and, was, and it was revealed to me and teaching uh, by Jesus for three years. And he saw uh, the risen Christ. He saw him on the road to Damascus. So even though he wasn't, quote, one of the disciples while Jesus was walking on the earth, he was called of Christ. He did see the risen Christ, and he did sit under Jesus' teaching uh, for three years. So then in verse number 6, he said that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. So he's talking about that uh, this was now, it was hidden during other ages, but now it's revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So here Paul gives details about that mystery that was revealed. So in case we didn't get it uh, in reading chapters 1 and chapter 2, and we didn't get it uh, here in the first few verses of uh, chapter 3, he just comes right out and says, this is the mystery that was revealed. This was the information that was that was revealed to me and the other apostles that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. And fellow heirs, uh, not only that, but the same body and partakers of his promise. Now, as we get ready to wrap up, I want to share a quote with you uh, on this verse uh, from John Phillips. Uh, it's a little bit long, uh, but I thought it was really meaningful and impactful, so I wanted to share it with you. He said, The new equality of the Gentiles was a bitter pill for most Jews to swallow. For centuries, they had prided themselves on being God's chosen people. They had nurtured a growing contempt for Gentiles and wallowed in religious and racial snobbery. They had considered themselves to be God's favorites. Now all this superiority was shattered. It turned out that all along, God had loved the Gentiles just as much as he had loved the Jews. Now God was proving this truth in an astonishing way by bringing Jews and Gentiles together in a new body that ignored the special privileges the Jews had enjoyed for some 1,000 years. Gentiles were not going to be added to the nation of Israel. There would be an entirely new body to which Jews and Gentiles would be added on equal terms. Jews and Gentiles would share equally in the same legacy. They would be fellow heirs. There would be no double portion for the Jews. Jews and Gentiles alike would receive the same blessing. And that's why the Jews were so upset because they, all their lives, 
these uncircumcised Gentiles, these dogs, these, these subhuman people are now on an equal plane with us and they're not being added to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is now not that meaningful anymore that now we're all being called out of Israel and being brought into this new religion, this new body of Christ. And it was really difficult for them to overcome that. All right, so we will wrap up there and start in verse number seven next week.